This episode of Serverless Chats is sponsored by New Relic and Epsigon. This week, I finish my chat with Austin Collins about the story of the serverless framework. This is Serverless Chats, episode number 67. Without the open source community, without like the, the blessing of our investors, you know, I don't know how big the framework would you know still be today. But that was some of you know right. that was what we focused on back then, and I say just instrumental to kind of the growth and the scale that the framework has right now. Yeah, and I mean, I think that was one of the things that I I thought was amazing about how uh, you know you took the approach to the community because it was very much so a community driven project, and I think that helped. To have AWS, who is also very much so like, um, what, is it, what do they call it? The the paths, the the leisure paths, or whatever it is. The um, when you, you you basically create paths in a college campus by letting people walk, and then you pave over the the dirt or whatever it is. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but anyways, that idea of letting people sort of decide where it's going to go and how it's going to develop. And I always remember, you know, there being a delay because there had to be between the framework supporting something new um, that that AWS just came out with, and whether that be, and again, I'm, I'll use a bad example, but like maybe it's a new uh, event that it supports. And I remember every time that came out that there was always, it seemed like there was a lot of debate, a lot of you know pull requests and uh, you know conversations about how to. Um, abstract that piece of it and fit it into the existing framework, right? And so you developed this entire plugins community around the framework too, which was really great because that was the other thing, and, and that has been one of the things that I've uh, had challenges when I work with Sam, is that you don't have the ability to big build plugins. So you essentially have to write you know, a separate Lambda function that just does you know, a module or whatever they call it there that allows you to do something, a custom uh, resource. But with the framework, you just had that ability to write that, to do things that you needed to do, to extend it, to fill gaps that you may have had um, during a certain amount of time, you know, until the framework supported it. But I always appreciated that more so after the fact. Sometimes I was a little frustrated that there wasn't support right away. But after the fact to say, I like the fact that you took the time to think it through because abstractions are the hardest thing to build. And when you do it wrong and then you're married to it forever, you know what I mean? It's really hard to change that. So that was one of the things I always liked was that it was like, the framework doesn't support this yet, but build a plugin and it can. And then you can always deprecate the plugin and then accept whatever the you know the valid way is or the 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 uh, I guess the established way that the framework does it. So I, I just thought that was a really good approach, and I think really helped with all these people contributing. Because then also you saw frame uh, uh, plugins that came up, and you're like, we should support that in the framework. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It's uh, that was something that I you know I think. On one end, uh, the hallmark of like a great developer tool often is how extensible it is, right? And um, but you know a lot of this just came out of the fact that I I started as one person, and I couldn't I couldn't take on this massive project just being one person in the early days, and uh, you know those uh, those people who had like things go viral on Hacker News. Um, I think they they have probably been through a similar experience where one day you know this project is just uh, blowing up, but the next day 
the hangover sets in when you look at the issues in GitHub. <laughs> and yeah. people say, this, right. this project does not support my use case. This does not support my workflow. This does not support my organization's right. policies. And, um, and then on top of that, the, you know, the, the <clears throat> ambitious goal of trying to abstract almost essentially like so many AWS services, it was like, okay, what's, how, how is this ever going to work? And that's where plugins came from largely. And you're right, you honed right into it. Right. You know, people can actually just overwrite any part of the framework, extend it, and it, it's up to them to figure out what the right patterns are. And once we see those emerge, then we'll just merge that into the framework. So it was a lot of outsourcing product development uh, to some extent, but it all goes back to just the fact that we didn't have the resources <laughs> to do all that in the early days. And right. Uh, it's great. That's where creativity comes from. A lot of the time, it's just limitations. And actually, it's funny you mentioned limitations because that's the other thing. This has been an ongoing theme with serverless too, is that you do have to work around some of these limitations, but sometimes that's not a bad thing, right? Sometimes when you have constraints, um, you can build something better because you know, you, you're not, you, you can't just go and do something crazy like say, well, we, we want, we're going to set up a K8s cluster because we want to do some type of processing over there. If you ask yourself, well, how can I do it within these constraints? Not only is it usually faster, it's a lot cheaper. Um, and, and oftentimes I think you get a better product out of it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Constraints are super important. And, and also I, I, I gotta say the amount of stuff use cases that people were trying to use serverless for, especially in the early days when it really wasn't meant for it, was just so amazing to me. People would try and duct tape together crazy serverless architectures to accommodate a use case that clearly wasn't ready for. There's so much creativity in that area. Right. And uh, it seems, you know, it seemed pretty crazy, but it's just, you know, people love those serverless qualities, auto scaling, you know, mm -hmm. never pay for, um, you know, only pay per use and massive scalability. Uh, people want that so bad. The fact that so many people were doing this and they still do it a lot today because there's not like still not even great serverless database options. Right. I mean, it's just right. like the stuff right. that people are doing to get around that. And the, you know, the dynamo DB movement right now is, you know, the popularity and all that right. I think is a lot of it is due to the pent up demand that is just waiting for the cloud to become more and more serverless and offer more and more serverless options for all use cases. And that's really, you know, I saw that early on and I just think like everybody wants this. This is going to be table stakes for the cloud. Again, this is not a fad. This is like the next, uh, this is cloud 2.0 or, you know, that's cliche to say, I hate saying that, but <laughs> this is like the evolution of, you know, where it's cloud three point, it's 3.0 now. I think we're already getting towards 3.0. Um, so, so 2016, 2017, 2018, um, you're working on building a community, which you did an amazing job of. And I know, uh, you hired a, a few people. I know, um, Alex Debris, for example, did a ton of growth hacking, which is just brilliant, by the way. So if you just take your serverless hat off for a second and go back and look at how you built this company and how you built this community, um, it is like a masterclass in how that worked. Now, I know I'm sure you made a lot of mistakes along the way. Like you said, for every one success, there's 100 failures behind you. Um, but again, it was the persistence. It was, it was the approach to it. It was hiring a bunch of great people. And like you said, having some really, really great people working for you um, and working on the project that I think got it to the success, but now we get into 2018. Um, you know, maybe towards the end of 2018, 2019, um, you've got to turn this into a company at some point, like a real company. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, and, you know, we had built out you know, such a kind of groundswell of a, of a user base. Uh, it was time to start kind of looking at how to do that. And we had, you know, tried a, a few kind of minor experiments on like, okay, what does commercialization look like for us? Uh, we even went into infrastructure as a service at one point. We had a, a project called the Event Gateway, uh, which yes. I still a huge fan of that project. I think that the serverless era, era of serverless compute, uh, event-driven compute, where again, it's never been easier to write code that reacts to events. I think that there's there's room for a better um, type of event gateway or event bus um, that really takes a lot of like um, a, a lot of API gateway concepts and kind of merges it into a new type of uh, infrastructure there. And that's what the event gateway was seeking to solve. Um, but we were still. But it was it it was hard to market uh, an event gateway that ran on servers from a company called Serverless. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting uh, conversations were had about about all that certainly, um, and and I'm we sure. it ultimately just kind of became a distraction from like building the framework and stuff. We right. kind of were, we're just doing like too much stuff at the time, and organizations' efforts you know thrive or fail depending on where you set the focus. Um, and so we decided you know to continue to focus on the framework and just build out um, the other later stage. Uh, lifecycle application, uh, lifecycle management features uh, that you need. So, you know, the challenge that kicked off the framework in the early days um, was this distributed system challenge, right? Where there's just all these pieces mm -hmm. you have to compose together. And that's not just a that only exists on the cloud too. So distributed system where you don't own most of the, the parts. Um, it's, you know, that's not just a development challenge, right? That's a uh, monitoring challenge. That's a kind of a, a developer, a team workflow challenge. Um, that's a secrets management challenge. It's just, it really uh, presents right. a lot of new problems for every single phase of, you know, building and, and uh, uh, managing your app. Um, so that's, you know, that's where we came out with uh, Serverless Framework Pro. Uh, and our goal is just, mm -hmm. hey, if you're using Serverless Framework, you know, we know you want to focus on product. We know you want to focus on the outcome. Like we're going to try and set up monitoring for you. We're going to try and set up secrets management for you. Um, we're going to try and set up CICD for you. And, and we're going to use the knowledge of the application uh, that you've created with our framework right. to try and do all that for you without any configuration, without you having to figure that stuff out. And so that when you, you know, deploy with the framework, you're ready to go into production from day one. And that teams don't have to go figure this stuff out. All teams should have to do is just say use serverless framework. And that in itself will put all the guardrails, all the observability you need in place. So that, again, you don't have to think about that stuff because that's that's what serverless is all about, right? Not having to <laughs> right. mess around with all this and then of course right. maintain it, which is the harder part. Easier to build some stuff, some DIY thing, but the maintenance is always the hardest part. Right. Well, and just stitching everything together too, and understanding how you know X flows to Y through Z and all this kind of stuff, it just gets, uh, it just gets really, really complicated. So, um, so yeah. So I, the Serverless Framework Pro is great. I've been playing around with it quite a bit. Uh, you know, again, the the CI/CD stuff is awesome. And if anyone has ever set up CI/CD for serverless, uh, and I have a sort of a running joke in my newsletter every week, where every time I see someone's set up for uh, CI/CD and serverless, I always make a joke like, here's another, here's like the 10,000th way to do CI/CD yeah. with serverless. Um, and again, mono repos versus multi repos and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the framework supports both those as well as um, the, I, I like the, the mono repo approach where it can grab, you know, just one 
uh, modified uh, serverless.yaml file and deploy that section of the framework and some of those things. The monitoring is great. The alerts are great. Um, so definitely, if you are using the serverless framework, I, I, I am a, a big fan of what you've done from the commercialization piece. And I think, you know, again, uh, being a little bit selfish, I want to see the framework keep going. Um, and you can't run a company if you don't have revenue, right? You can't just always be building communities. So um, I think it's it's great if people are using that and they're benefiting from that and, and they want those extra features, it's a great way to not only, you know, take care of the things you really need, but also to continue to support your company and, and the framework that uh, I think is is what really made serverless very accessible to most people. Yeah, and that's been very successful for us. Um, it's been great. We're shipping features every single day to make that easier. You know, uh, we've got a lot of next generation tools uh, that have been in the works for a while mm -hmm. that we've been releasing lately. Right. A lot of cool stuff that just extends on that theme of, you know, don't focus on the infrastructure, of course, focus on your product. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening um, in the cloud right now. I mean, it's just such a fascinating space. I think, uh, you know, personal predictions uh, might be way off here, but, you know, uh, this is where it seems to be going. And it's kind of been my personal conviction since, you know, 2015, since, you know, Lambda came out. And that is, you know, I, I, it does seem like serverless, qualities are just going to be expected uh, for all cloud infrastructure, right? And when you log into AWS, Google Cloud, you know, Azure, um, you're going to just, you see all those services have more and more serverless qualities. And then um, so it almost feels like this, the serverless is just merging with the cloud and that'll just be cloud. I don't even know if there'll be a serverless, uh, you know, term anymore. It'll just be what we think of, exactly. you know, what the, what the youngins think of the cloud in the future, right? They'll be like, what right. is the serverless right. thing? Um, and so that's that's really interesting to watch because that's uh, um, that's important for us because we're trying to build the, the tools for that. And if all of cloud is going right. to have these qualities and everything's gonna become serverless, it's a, it's an interesting opportunity. Um, the other stuff that I see it's really interesting is <clears throat> I think uh, how code is taking a second seat in this architecture, They're kind of like, it's not the primary mm -hmm. thing. And it was, I think it was Paul, Paul Johnson who wrote this in one of his many awesome serverless articles. And uh, he, he wrote this and I, I totally agree. I see this all the time where you, the people working on these serverless architectures are doing more configuration um, these days than just code. And then you've got people coming out in the service community saying, of course, code is a liability, all that stuff. Right. And that's, <clears throat> That's really interesting because so much of our development tools are designed around code first and code is the most important thing. Meanwhile, here's this new architecture saying yeah. like, well, you put in code where you need it, right? But then you, you want to try and lean on right. stuff that you don't have to maintain over time and you know, rework. Um, so I think this fundamentally disrupts the workflow and the tools at the end of the day. And that's been a very interesting space for our company to think about. Um, and, you know, we've got a lot of innovation that we're just starting to ship out and a lot more kind of later this year on kind of those those themes. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, with serverless just becoming the cloud and everything kind of being serverless at some point, um, you get a lot of complexity. Hi, everyone. I want to take a minute to talk about New Relic. I know, when it comes to things like observability and tracing, you're probably thinking I should talk about Datadog, Prometheus, or even OpenTelemetry. 
And a month ago, I would have totally agreed with you, but New Relic did something a little out there. They literally reworked everything. They've actually been listening when people talk about blind spots, being stuck with a dozen different tools, or getting hit with hidden costs. So first, they went open source, making it so that you can actually instrument whatever you need. Then they made it so you can monitor your whole entire stack in one place, including your serverless workloads. You can use telemetry data from any source for ridiculously cheap, and there's just one UI with all the tools you need. Plus, they completely changed their pricing to a consumption-based model so you can easily predict your bill. Now, I love this pricing model because it scales as my cloud applications scale, just like with serverless. And best of all, there's a perpetual free tier with one user and 100 gigabytes per month totally free. You can try it and make sure it works for you before it costs you anything. So if you want observability made simple, New Relic is definitely worth another look. Check out their new platform at newrelic.com. I'm just going to jump in there and talk about mm. complexity because that is one of the things where right from the beginning, I remember it being so easy. And, and some of those hacker news comments, by the way, very early on, like, oh, we already have this. They're called CGI bins, which, of course, you know, it's not a good comparison. But you know what was great about CGI bins? You uploaded a little bit of code and it was available on yep. the web and it ran and yep. it was amazing. And that was how serverless started very easily was sort of like you just upload a snippet of code. You don't have to worry about setting up mm -hmm. servers, all this other stuff. It runs something for you, does something and it's done. And that's it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to set up the servers. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Then we added API gateway and then we added RDS and or uh, uh, VPC, so you could do RDS and Elasticsearch and then Elasticache. Then you started having all these issues with um, connection management because the connection management or the connection model between those yep. are broken. And so you had to start playing games. And then cold starts got worse. And then they're like, hey, let's support Java. And you're like, okay, well, now the cold starts are really bad. And so you had all of these things that just started adding more complexity. SQSQs, SNS, EventBridge. You start adding all this stuff in and you get to the point where you look at, and I remember um, there was an article uh, that was like your typical serverless infrastructure. And it was like, 40 different, you know, 40 different services all tied together. And people were like, this doesn't seem simple, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, it's not simple, right? It, it has become very, very complex. And you've got all these patterns that have, that have come out of this in terms of how you handle different use cases. Um, and so I know you agree with me on this. This is th this complexity of serverless has taken some of the shine off of it. Um, and we need to find better ways that we can start focusing less on the actual code and the infrastructure and more on what we're trying to achieve or the outcome of it. Uh, completely agree. And that's really, that's where the serverless framework, that's where, that's where we've always been thinking, right? They're going back to that simple story right. of functions and events. You know, when this thing happens, you know, run this logic, right? It should, you know, should be that simple. Right. And it's certainly gotten pretty complex. And this is kind of the, the side effect of the cloud becoming more serverless. And um, and it seems like there's just a lot of stuff too that we just didn't see coming at the end of the day, like layers, um, like provision concurrency, right. like um, uh, like R, uh, uh, database proxy, like RDS proxy or something. Yep. RDS proxy, right? It's yep. like, well, you know, I, I understand serviceful, but wow, there's a lot, lot more services than you know, ever anticipated here, right? right? Meanwhile, the biggest companies still are having trouble securing their S3 buckets, right? So, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, what, what does it all mean? Like, how, how, does, uh, how do we create simplicity here? And again, go back to just like, how do we bring order to this and make it accessible? Because on the other hand, this, 
you know, this is highly efficient, very powerful next generation cloud infrastructure. Um, and, uh, you know, myself, our team, we believe that these are the greatest building blocks of all time, right? Just to have right. all these things shelves filled with every single type of like API to do almost anything, right? Um, it's, it's I, I think it could usher in a new golden era of software development. I mean, it feels like we've already been in one for a while, but this stuff is just right. so, so darn uh, powerful. But again, how do we, how, how do we make that simple for people? So um, for us, it's really just continuing our story of abstraction, right? And, uh, you know, again, we started that with a simple story of functions and events. Don't think about the infrastructure, just think about kind of your outcome first. Uh, now we've got more now there are more serverless infrastructure um, possibilities, uh, configuration options, all that stuff. But it's very clear that specific use cases are more popular than others. And specific use cases should, you know, for the most part, some things just should be done serverless almost all the time. Depends on your organization, right. depends on, you know, some people still need a greater degree of control over the service environment, the infrastructure, all that. But there's just very clear use cases where, that this is a great fit. And you have to have a pretty good argument for not just spinning up a serverless API right now because <laughs> it's just so darn, right. so darn efficient. Um, so we see those and we know what the best practices are because people, we've been building these for a while. And to some extent, we're kind of asking ourselves, well, just like, you know, you shouldn't be managing servers. Should you really try and figure out how to build a REST API on service infrastructure from scratch? Or where is just right. like the ready to go uh, REST API opinion that can has the best practices built in, the best combination of, you know, infrastructure from a, a scale, you know, performance and cost perspective. So developers don't have to think about that. They just think about, I need to deploy an API. I need to deploy like an Express app, uh, for example. Right. Um, and so that abstraction story is, you know, what we continue to focus on uh, with our new effort, which is serverless framework components, which is our by far fastest growing effort right now, where we've mm -hmm. basically just honed in on those, you know, most popular use cases and we're building out specific developer experiences uh, for each one of those, those use cases. And our goal is, you know, we want to do like a 10 X better developer experience. So each one of these, like we're trying to get them to deploy in three seconds or less. Right, because we think that when you're working on these cloud right. services, um, you should be developing on those cloud services. You shouldn't have to emulate this stuff locally. And a lot of people, just the deployment is too darn slow, right? It's like no one wants to wait, you know, 30 seconds to you know a couple of minutes for CloudFormation to do a deployment in order to see their single, you know, code line of code change, you know, right. in, in the cloud. That's crazy. So most people go back to emulation and then. Unfortunately, that's easy to start, but then a lot of teams, uh, your team grows, you know, the, the project grows, the types of services grows. And I, I've seen so many right. companies trying to maintain some crazy kind of emulated version of AWS <laughs> that they do all their development on. Which is impossible. Yeah, and, right. and I'm still you know, personally trying to keep score. I'm like, are we being more productive with this architecture or not? Like, where are the issues mm -hmm. here? If people are trying to maintain a, a local version of AWS, then it feels like you know we're we're losing a lot of that uh, creativity and productivity that was supposed to be freed up by outsourcing the the infrastructure to this cloud provider in the first place. So, um, right. so anyway, we've looked at these popular use cases and you know we're trying to create one uh, serverless framework component for each use case uh, with other developer experience features like fast deployments, 
Um, so serverless uh, Express is a good example. If you're a developer, you just want to deploy yeah. Express in a way that's auto scaling, um, in a way that can scale massively out of the box and charges you 0. 0.00003 cents per request. Uh, you just want to take right. your Express and you know, run it like that, then you know the Express component's perfect for you. You know, just put in your Express app and it'll you know, package it on serverless infrastructure for you. Three-second deployments, and there's other cool features like it streams your logs and errors directly to your console. You've got like a dev mode where it just watches your code every time you hit save. It does a fast deployment, streams log statements, errors, um, and a lot of what we're doing, to be frank, with all this develop the new development experience stuff is trying to recreate the experience that developers had before serverless cloud infrastructure, right? So we're just trying to make it as if you're running this Express right. app on your machine again, which you could still do, but we want to make working on the cloud just as fast um, as, uh, as if you're working locally. Because we think developers for serverless to use all these new infrastructure features, you got to just work on those, be able to develop on those, not you know, do some right. fake thing that you then push into production and encounter all these limits and issues because you weren't working in kind of the reality of the infrastructure at the end of the day. So um, components is, is a huge effort here. We've got one for websites who want to deploy a serverless website, highly efficient, express, uh, scheduled lambdas. Um, we've got one of the works for Next.js. Uh, also, if you want to deploy React applications, we've got event-driven ones in the works, different webhook handlers. And then components for uh, running on other vendors as well. Right. Yeah. And I tell you, what I love about the idea of components is, again, it's it's almost as simple as saying, like, okay, I just want, I, I just need this to happen when something else happens. And there may be multiple connecting pieces, but here's my piece of of, uh, of business logic that I need to write. And there are a lot of companies now that are doing these uh, sort of low code um, workflow systems, right? And I think Paragon, Pipe Dream, like there's a whole bunch of them. And they're very cool because they say, look, we wanna, you wanna send something to Twitter um, or you wanna read something from a Google Sheet or you want to uh, you know, query a database or, or do something. Those are all pre-written and done for you. But then it's like, well, but I need to randomize it and add some, you know, prefix to it or something like that. Well, that's a little piece of code that I have to write. And I like how, I, I like that level of abstraction, but I don't necessarily like how it's owned in someone else's infrastructure in the sense where I don't quite have full control over it. So what I like about the the the, uh, the components is that it gives you the ability to do that and own it, but still have a lot of that extra instrumentation sort of done for you. Um, and the thing that I think I think is overlooked uh, maybe from this idea of components and any of these sort of things is, it's about repeatability, not just for something small, like, oh, I need to just publish a new uh, website or I need to publish a new API. It's something like we are a, an enterprise and we have all of these security requirements. We have all of these, this bootstrap stuff that needs to be done, all of this instrumentation that has to be written in order to do observability and monitoring and making sure we're following PCI and all these other things, right? You've got this whole long list of things that have to be done every single time. You give somebody a blank template and just do serverless init, right? I mean, that's not going to that's not going to give you enough um, in order for you. I mean, you have to go through quite a few iterations before you get something that is going to pass muster with the lawyers and compliance and all that kind of stuff. 
So being able to encapsulate that, right, which is why I've rethought the, S, uh, the, the CDK a little bit, because I like that idea of writing these reusable components that you can just plug in together and use these constructs. And, and the serverless components feels very much the same way to me. And I like that because I think when you start talking about new organizations needing to build out complex applications that are compliant, um, that have all the security that they need in there, that have passed you know, all the security checks and all of the, the sign off from, from everybody involved, that this is the way, this is the level of, of abstraction that will allow you to do that, be really productive, and again, go serverless, which I just, I, I can't imagine anybody now sitting down thinking about building a new application and saying, we shouldn't at least look at the serverless piece first. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. And, and then there's more, because uh, what we're doing, what we're doing with components <laughs> right. is... Um, you know, we've, we've been in the land of infrastructure as code, infrastructure provisioning for, for a long time. And every single problem that you raised absolutely is a real problem that needs to be addressed that can be addressed by, you know, really powerful templates that you could run on your own infrastructure that your team can use as, you know, uh, opinionated patterns so they don't have to go figure out how to put all this stuff together because everybody's going to do that wrong the first time. <laughs> like, I don't think I've seen a team right. that's put together. And the second time, and the third time, and yeah. the fourth time, and then eventually they and, might and figure then you it get out. It right, and then reInvent comes around and says, no, there's a new way to do this. Now you got to do this, right? Exactly. You don't want your team, in my opinion, right. like you don't want your team doing a lot of that stuff, right? Doing all the low-level yeah. stuff. Like with, with, a, with abstraction, as we all know, it's, it's this... It's this battle between convenience and control, right? And not every abstraction is going to work for every company. You know, there's a lot of different types of users out there and use cases. You know, it takes all kinds to make a world. Um, but components are coming out with a ton of different flavors at different levels of abstraction. And we want to go after that, those darn serverless architecture diagrams, right? That we see going around on right. Twitter, which are just showing all that stuff. And all we're trying to do is say, yeah, we're going to take that all, like, 20 of those things and we're just going to put them into one piece, yeah. right? And then you'll have like the right. other 20% will still be some low level pieces, but for the most part, you don't need to, you know, go and use every single low level thing and configure it yourself anymore unless, right. you know, you just love doing it and then there's nothing wrong with it, right? But, <laughs> you know, for me, like I, I personally have a ton of APIs I deploy, right? Just a ton of them. And I don't want to think about low level API gateway stuff anymore and wiring it together. Right. I mean, I've got hundreds of endpoints now <laughs> for doing all types of things and you know it's just crazy yeah. to, to want to think about that low level stuff but again going back to kind of there's more here we've been thinking a lot about infrastructure as code for a while and um i you know in our opinion there's so much room to innovate here um and i it dawned on me when i heard i think it was adam from chef he was giving a i think it was a presentation on uh habitat um and he had, had this quote where he said that like, you so you should try and figure out how to package more automation with your application, like more use case and automation should just kind of come out of the box. And it's really, you know, inspired me personally to start thinking about like, okay, how do we package more automation with these components, right? Because, right. you know, infrastructure provisioning, as we think about it, is just kind of you know, deploy, remove, <laughs> roll back, very simple. Right. And that's, right. But there should be more automation capabilities kind of built in. And the one thing that's interesting about components is that we try and focus on the outcome of the use case first, which is so enlightening when you're building a developer tool um, because you know the goal of the user. And when you know what the goal of the user is, you could automate way more for them. So an example of this is right. 
uh, you know, when you deploy a component, it's going to have metrics instrumented for it in our dashboard now. Like if you deploy Serverless yeah. Express, and those metrics are going to be the metrics that matter most for that use case. It's not just going to be low-level mm -hmm. here's an AWS Lambda function invocation, right? It's going to be first we're showing you your API requests because if you're building an Express app, you want to see your API performance overall, because that's what the customer is facing, right? So each one of these are starting to ship with their own custom metrics that are focused on their use cases, ranging from infrastructure and then soon product, right? Like what are the product metrics that really matter for this? Um, these things right. will are starting, there's a few components that have built-in testing functionality. Why should you have to rethink how you learn how to test an API at the end of the day? Um, opponents yeah. should be able to generate documentation for you, all this stuff. How do we really you know, think less about infrastructure provisioning and more about application automation and pack and use this knowledge of the use case, the end goal, to really automate so much more of that for the developer. So they don't have to think about that stuff. They just have simple action. Each component has simple actions, deploy, remove, test, you know, monitor, all that stuff. So, and we've only, we've just started that journey. Like components are still new. We went GA in, uh, in April. But, um, mm -hmm. and you'll see us announce a lot more on this front later this year. But this is uh, all going back to the theme of build more, manage less, <laughs> right? Where we think, you know, right. the service right. needs to go ultimately. I want to thank our sponsor, Epsigon, and tell you about their applied observability platform for modern applications, which supports both serverless and containers. Epsigon delivers an auto-instrumented trace-centric APM that automatically correlates traces, logs, and metrics that helps your teams reduce mean time to discovery, mean time to repair, and application downtime. And if you're running microservices, you can't effectively visualize traces without some sort of automation. Now, complexity of data in modern applications is growing faster than the ability to manage that change. When using serverless or containers, traditional monitoring tools do not deploy or scale well, leading to limited visibility, which means engineering teams spend a significant amount of time troubleshooting and resolving issues. This decreases the time spent on building new apps and adding functionality to keep up with the competition. If you're building modern applications, ditch the legacy APM solutions that scale poorly, create more overhead, and won't give you the visibility you need into your microservices. Instead, go to epsigon.com slash serverless chats and sign up for an Epsigon account. Try it for free for 14 days, connect your first trace, and even get a cloud observability drone. Once again, that's epsigon.com slash serverless chats. Well, and I, I think it's that, I think that idea of the use case or the outcome um, is really cool. And I love the idea of having the metrics built in. I, I just uh, indulge me in this story for a second. I thought it was hilarious because we had just set up, I was at a company um, and I was, uh, I, we had just set up dashboards um, or the, the monitors in our office so that we could have these big dashboards up. Um, and it was because the CEO said, hey, we want to put numbers up on those, right? So especially like when investors come in, they can see whatever. And I said, all right, well, what do you want to put up there? He's like, well, I want to put up our KPIs, which was, you know, of course, key performance indicators. And I said, all right, what are those? He's like, I have no idea. <laughs> so I think there are a lot of people um, who are going to be in that boat, like, all right, now I'm building a, you know, a serverless application. And if you abstract it away enough where I'm just entering in a little bit of code, just doing my little business logic here, then the question becomes, 
what do I even care about, right? Because I, I don't need to monitor CPU on my Lambda function anymore. Like that is just done by AWS for me. But what do I really want to know? Do I want to know the latency of my routes? Do I want to know the frequency of my routes? Do I want to know my error rates? Some of these other things, you know, that would show me um, something that's actually actionable. But how am I supposed to know those things unless you have a lot of, ex of experience? And any of that experience that you can just bring and sort of fold in there automatically, if, if anything, it just gives you something to build off of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it kind of goes back to the question of ser that serverless raises. That is, when you don't think about the infrastructure, what do you think about? <laughs> right. right? Like what matters most? Right. Well, of course, the, the outcome, like the product, the customer experience, you know, the, the business problem you're trying to solve, like that is the stuff you need to think about. So we, you know, we're, right. it, it's still early for us here, but, you know, we want to answer that to a greater extent built into our tools. And this is all just kind of changing uh, how, how we think of developer tools and you know what that really means. And then ultimately like who is a developer at the end of the day too. Cause you can see, you know, um, and I've listened to so many of your interviews already with a lot of with people just in different parts of this space. You've got like low code, you've got front end, and then you've got, you know, serverless infrastructure. There's a convergence here kind of happening. There's an interesting kind of movement here happening. You know, where it's going to end up, I, I, I don't know. My personal theory though, is that the cloud, everything is have to, going to have to focus more on outcomes, not on infrastructure. Right, and that's what you'll get when you go to AWS, just serverless services, APIs as a service focused on outcomes where you've got business solutions, uh, instant business solutions that auto scale and never charge you until you call their APIs. Um, and how that's gonna change the tools, how that's gonna change, you know, who, what, you know, how we define a developer. Um, I'm not sure what that looks like yet, but you know, we've got a lot of interesting ideas on what it means. and. You know, we'll continue to try right. building out some cool products to uh, to put some solutions out there. That's awesome. I mean, I, I remember um, sitting down uh, at breakfast at reInvent with uh, Jay Nair, um, and uh, he asked, you know, how do you describe serverless or like, you know, something to that effect? And I said, serverless is just the way. Like that's just that's just where we're going, right? Like it's just going to be cloud 2.0 or 3.0 or whatever you know, whatever revision we're on. Um, but I totally agree. I mean, this is one of those things where it, it, it is, it does take a lot of convincing sometimes when people look at, you know, containers and they're like, well, I have all kinds of control over it. And, and it really goes down to this level of abstraction and, and we get, um, I think distracted by things like cold starts and vendor lock-in and all these other things. And yeah, maybe not all of those, all of those things are perfect. But if you think about something as simple of a use case as catching a form from a website to serving up an entire API to processing millions and millions of records coming in via you know, Kinesis or something like that, or converting files, um, performing you know, OCR on medical records, I mean, all of these use cases now are there and they're supported and they're not all perfect, but it's it's getting to a point where I just, I can't imagine my life right now without serverless. Um, and I just, it, it just, again, I don't know, I, I'm like you, I just get really excited about it because I think about the possibilities and I think about where this is going. And, and if we get it right, if we continue to build those right levels of abstraction and continue to convince people that again, it's the way, um, you know, I think the the future of this is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, totally agree. 
uh, it's just the potential that's democratized for everybody, whether you're a large organization right. or you're just a solo hacker, like in the basement or something, trying to get something off the ground like that. This right. power is democratized to everybody. And, you know, like going back to our mission, like, yeah, we want to help every single person build more, manage less, leverage higher levels of abstraction, help them focus on outcomes more than ever. We're going to try and rethink developer tools and what that means. Um, in order to deliver that experience. And then, you know, the last part for us is just, you know, we we firmly believe serverless is bigger than any one vendor at the end of the day. And it, it, we feel very strongly that there needs to be an application framework um, that provides an open level playing field for serverless cloud infrastructure across any vendors. Because yes, we've talked a lot about AWS and the majority of our users are using AWS and the majority of the infrastructure is AWS but not all of it, actually. They are still right. bringing out, you know, our, our users, our audience, very product focused. If you want to build the best products, you got to be free to use the best of breed services that are out there. And this Absolutely. is, um, mm -hmm. and so we see a lot of people still bringing in Stripe, <laughs> still bringing in Algolia, right? right? Still bringing in, uh, you know, MongoDB Atlas, um, you know, all the, Twilio, right? There's, there's so many great things out there. Um, and, you know, helping people, developers have this, again, this open framework where it treats all these things as neutral, this level playing field where they could compose uh, serverless infrastructure across any vendor into applications really, really easy. feels like the destiny of the serverless framework to us. Yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome. And what else was awesome is you being here and sharing all this information um, again, I, I love I love that history. I think that's just amazing. I think again, like I said, uh, if you're building a, a service now or you're trying to build a company, um, just how you've done it, how you've gone about it, um, and 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 how that has grown, um, and also just the advice of listen, you're going to fail hundreds of times before you succeed. It's just the way it's just the way that it goes. Um, yep. So uh, so again, so thank you for being here and sharing all this information. And if people want to find out, you know, more about components and the serverless framework and where all that stuff's going um, or just contact you how do they how do they do that serverless.com pretty easy to remember right <laughs> the, the infamous domain but that's uh, that's where right. you can find us i'm on twitter just austin collins a-u-s-t-e-n though um and uh i'll include you can include that in the show notes or something like that but uh i will i will I will put it all in there. You have a great blog too, uh, serverless.com slash blog. Uh, lots of great information in there. So thanks again, Austin. Really appreciate it. All right. It. Thank you, Jeremy. Take care. And that's this week's serverless chat. I want to give a huge thank you to Austin Collins for being my guest this week and to our sponsors, New Relic and Epsigon. If you want to check out the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, you can find them at serverlesschats.com slash 67. For more serverless chats, subscribe, sign up to be an insider, check us out on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can connect with me on Twitter, at Jeremy underscore daily. And if you want to keep up to date on everything serverless, make sure you subscribe to the Off by None newsletter at offbynone.io. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to chatting with all of you again next week. Thank you.